Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Museums of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind so if you're listening to this, I have great news. It's the end of the month. So we're going to talk about the important stuff in life, movies, TV shows, music. And today I have a very super, super duper guest that agreed to come on. And she's going to talk about her one of her favorite TV shows of all time. And this guest is my wife, Heather. Hey! hey. One of my favorite. Well, I mean, you also like, there are other shows that you like, though. I know, but of all time. Dexter. Yeah. But of all time. Silver Spoons. (laughs) (laughs) But my top favorite is this. Oh, Silver Spoons is second. Oh, my gosh. I can't even. I should find that. Anyway, you're ADDing. Well, I mean, you're the one that liked it. <laughs> you're the one that had the crush on uh, Ricky Schroeder. Yeah. <laughs> the Mormon QAnoner, Ricky Schroeder. Stop it. Okay. I mean, he you, still looks good. I'm just saying. You couldn't control his Mormonism <laughs> or QAnonism, you know? Right. So, Dork. no. He's going to discuss what. Many people actually believe is one of the best television shows of all time. If not the best, because if you Google it, a lot of people say this. Right. And unlike when, like, say, Donald Trump or Carrie Lake says, (laughs) you know, a lot of people say and nobody has ever said it. In this case, this is actual. (laughs) A lot of people have actually said Breaking Bad is the best TV show of all time. And it did what most shows on their last episode or their last, you know, four or five episodes never seemed to satisfy people with and end the show properly and Breaking Bad completely ended it properly. It It tied it up. Yeah. And then although it had a prequel series, not a sequel, um, but Better Call Saul was equally as good. You know, as Breaking Bad, people loved Better Call Saul as well. And then the little El Camino movie yeah, after was a nice little tied up. Because there were still a few, I wouldn't call them loose ends, but just wonder, you know, I wonder what happened in this and that. So, right. um, so you know, just FYI for anybody listening, <laughs> there will be spoilers. Um Which, you know, if you haven't watched Breaking Bad (laughs) and it's been off the air for, I don't know, several years now. It's been (laughs) off the air for a minute. Because they had a 10-year reunion at some point. So, So. yeah, it was was a fantastical show. (laughs) The, The ironic thing about Breaking Bad is the show only 
works as a premise because it takes place in the U.S. Oh yeah. If it if it took place in Canada or the U.K. or Switzerland or France, the whole thing never would have needed to have occurred because he would have been able to have afforded his cancer treatment. Well, yeah, that's yeah. I just it looked it been. up. First episode date January twentieth. Wow, so it's almost. Um, 2008 was the first episode and final episode, September 29th, 2013. So, Mm -hmm. um, almost been 10 years since the last episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's been a little while. God, it doesn't seem like that. Anyway. I know. I know the, the, the cool thing about breaking bad is at the time people were shocked that Brian Cranston was mm-hmm. playing Walter White because mm-hmm. he had just come off Malcolm in the Middle and then he had that run as Jerry Seinfeld's dentist mm. on Seinfeld before that and he was really known more for comedy. Well, very much so. And and don't forget he was on uh, Go Go Power Rangers. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is true. He, he was. was. He was an evil guy. Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, so see he wasn't always the funny guy. Right. But you know what? Sometimes you got to get that paycheck. (laughs) But yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know about Breaking Bad, which I can't even imagine, even if you've never watched it. You've had to have heard of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, basically, it's, you know, it's a whole midlife thing, too. I mean, he turned 50, found out he had cancer, didn't tell anybody. Goes with his (laughs) DEA brother-in-law to a ride along bust the meth lab sees his former student jumping out the window thinks finds out how much it's going to cost to do cancer treatment da 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 talks to jesse his former student and they strike a deal to cook meth so that You're he like, can make money this could be a business opportunity <laughs> and because he's a chemistry teacher i forgot that part yeah yeah and he's like you know we can do this yeah. Yep. But going back so. to Brian Cranston, though, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, for the role of Walter White, they wanted to cast Matthew Broderick. Yes, I did. I did see that. There's a lot of different castings that were up on possibilities throughout. But after watching, it's like it. It everything fit perfectly. Nobody yeah. could have been somebody different. I mean, of course, I say that. And if it had been somebody else, I probably would say the same thing, you know, if they, but it feels like this was the perfect cast. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I actually, strangely enough, just like yesterday, a couple days ago, watched a TikTok with Brian Cranston and he was talking about how he got the role of Walter White Mm -hmm. and he had done a guest appearance on the X-Files. Yes. In the episode, that episode was written by Vince Gilligan, who was right. the writer, producer, creator of Breaking Bad. And when it didn't work out with Matthew Broderick, Broderick his next thought was, well, Brian Cranston, I think, would be good for this because of his role on um, X-Files. And after Malcolm in the Middle, he said that he'd been offered like three different tv shows mm-hmm. which was all playing kooky dad the same guy basically yeah and he's like i just <laughs> did that for seven years i didn't want to do it again i wanted to do something different and they told me that it's like my agent said hey it's vince gilligan who from x-files was the writer 
and he wants you to do this. It's a serious, dramatic role. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it (laughs) because he wanted to do something just so completely different. And I think that worked out well for him. Well, and now, you know, there's a generation who absolutely the first thought when they see him is Is Walter White. White. And holy shit, I just thought of this. Not how. both Brian Cranston and Matthew Broderick, Broderick were in a Godzilla film. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> what, are we playing uh, Six Degrees here? <laughs> of course, Six Degrees of Godzilla. Of course, one Godzilla film was a little better than the other one, and it was yes. actually more of a Godzilla than the other one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hey, we can... But they were both good. I mean, Godzilla's... I mean... As far as Godzilla goes, let's get the Walter White one was better. Walter White one. Yeah. Brian Cranston. It's funny talking to you on this. And I know, you know, because it's a podcast, nobody else sees what I see. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking down ADD and on a post-it note. But over your left shoulder is the final. (laughs) Right. My Christmas gift. For people who haven't been to our house um oh god years ago anyway it's a it's a framed pencil drawing pencil drawing very 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 nice drawing of the finale the very very last um scene of breaking bad where Um, he's walter white about to be unalived yes where he's touching the vat the big silver vat you know, yeah, like like a baby, he's caressing it basically. And anyway, giving that's good, that. giving it a good stroke. And, do you have to? Be, anyway, <laughs> that's what he was anyway, doing. that's the picture that's hanging on the wall right behind. Yes, yeah. next to in, a in, in the office. Next to a print drawn by lead singer of the Flaming Lips, or painted, sorry, by the lead singer of the Flaming Lips. Wayne Coyne, that is somebody standing there whose head literally is exploding. Exploding because but it's like a cartoon so cool. thing. So I mean, don't don't. It's it not like graphic. violent. It's like yeah, something was so cool that his head exploded. Okay, so now you're. I'm editing with you. Hey, side quests are <laughs> part of this. <clears throat> if you don't want a side quest, then don't side quest. True. With me. So. <laughs> Breaking Bad. Anyway, so back to now that we've gone through the various casting choices and Godzilla and pencil drawings. (laughs) Matthew Broderick, which I can say, and for some reason you can't. I know. We'll just refer to him from this point forward as Ferris Bueller. Perfect. Or Jessica Horsemouth. Bueller. Bueller. What's her name? Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, I got the <laughs> Jessica part right. Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker. Mr. Sarah Jessica Parker. He also starred in Glory, which is an outstanding oh my gosh. Civil War film. Back to Brian Cranston, who played Hal on Malcolm in the Middle. And he played Walter White with absolute perfection. And he played Heisenberg. With absolute perfection. Yes. Just saying. Yes. Because they were, they're one and the same, but they're not. Yeah. It's almost as if he developed a, like, identity 
dysphoria type of a situation. See, there's a lot of like forums and stuff out there about this subject and well, anything Breaking Bad. But I think Heisenberg was always there. Oh, I agree with you. I think he was always there because Walter White was a frustrated, bored, 50-year-old man. Who was too smart for his profession. In Mm -hmm. in where he was. He he missed an opportunity, um, you know, to be making millions of dollars. He got screwed over by who who he thought was his best friend. Yep. Um, so he was just kind of in a rut, but Mm -hmm. and he's very frustrated. And then, you know, he's got um a disabled son who does very well. Not, you know, it's nothing. It's not like he's having to take care of him like all the, you know, all of his needs, but that does create, you know, extra. And then he's got a baby on the way at 50 years old. So it's like, yeah, I I think all of that frustration, everything was underneath. Yeah. And I always, it's sort of weird because I felt like he both loved his wife, but I think he also kind of hated and resented her. If that makes sense. Well, it depends on the timing that you're talking about. No, I mean, I mean, even when he started in general, I think it was like an unrecognized thing that he oh, didn't gotcha. even know was going on. And I think that he probably, I don't, I, just, I don't, if I their don't son wasn't this, I don't know if it was hate, but I don't think that he was, I, I don't know how to fully word it. Because I do think that he loved her, but I also think he had some sort of resentment with her. Mm-hmm. And once he kind of became more Heisenbergy, some oh, yeah. of that started coming out. But I also think at the time he was, he was, it's sort of like how my mom was raised. My mom was raised in a situation where you just forget things if you have problems with somebody mm-hmm. and you let it go. And if the other person, you know, you just, and you just don't ever talk about it anymore. And I think that he was probably brought up with that mindset. And so things that his wife did that I think probably pissed him off that if he would have had not that philosophy, they might've talked about and worked out sooner. And then once he became Heisenberg, it was like, oh yeah, no, (laughs) but there was still this other thing. I'm saying it's an interesting. No, and I can see where you're coming from. I think there was resentment um but like you said it's underlying but i think a lot of it is that she was kind of like you know okay that sucked we're okay we're gonna be all right she was optimistic and happy for the most part but um and i think he he was so still dwelling on how things weren't like he thought they should be and yeah. that's well, that's probably kind of that's my opinion is that's where he was kind of resentful towards her because he's like, how are you not mad about this? How are you not? You know, I think he was mad at her because she didn't join in on his pity party, basically. Right. And you you can be you can be I don't <laughs> you could be like you can love somebody and be satisfied and not never not even necessarily realizing that maybe that person is contributing to like you know depression or resentment or whatever oh, yeah. and that's probably and that's, what was going on 
and I mean, we're talking about a fictional character and everything, right. but that is true. I mean, in real life, I, I do think that there's a lot of that kind of situation. Right. That and that's what I'm just aren't aware of. Yeah. That's what I'm sort of saying. The nuanced of how they played Walter White and they wrote Walter White. It's and I think so that well. that's exactly how Brian Cranston picked up on all of these nuances. Yeah. yeah. That he loved his family. He didn't hate his family, but at the same time, he felt trapped in everything yes. by his family. Yes. And he kept thinking about what could have been. Yeah. Cause he was definitely, he was definitely probably in terms of his knowledge and everything that he had, super being smart. a teacher was not the ideal thing in terms of mentally stimulating him. But he did that because that was the safe bet, the way to take care of your family type situation. And so, mm. you know, he moved, he did it, but at the same time, there was like, <coughs> at the same time, he had this, I'm not happy because I'm, I could be so much more than a freaking right. high school teacher. Which, I mean, understandable, dude. And that's why he was, I mean, let's get down to it. The reality is that Walter Wright was a villain. He was oh, a bad guy. Yeah, no, I mean, I think no, everybody for sure. agrees on that. He was a bad guy. But and he's the bad guy that you wanted to succeed. You wanted him to ultimately get what he wanted, yeah. which is a weird thing. I, I don't think I've ever really gotten into something that much where I, where you root for the bad guy. Like, I mean, wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want my teacher friends to think that I'm like dogging you for being a teacher. I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm just no, saying no, no. that, you know, most because people that are teachers want to be teachers and they do it because they love it. I'm just saying with Walter White's character, I don't think that being a teacher was his ideal thing in life. Not at all. Well, I mean, he was literally a genius and he worked for, you know, did the whole gray matter and all that stuff. You know, I mean, we're he legit was a part of um i mean didn't the dude like win a prize or something for it or something i don't remember the, that part of it I, yeah i don't remember that part necessarily <clears throat> but but it was he was legitimately you know yeah extremely intelligent so yeah so it's understandable but and you know of course that all was nuanced that brian yeah. cranston picked up on and he played it so so well and i mean honestly if you think about it uh the actress that played skylar i can't think of her name she did an excellent job too yeah because it takes you have to be a really good actor to play a character that the fan base absolutely <laughs> despises you to Which the is... point to where people don't even like you in like person. the real you right like jack gleason who played uh joffrey on game of thrones oh yeah which is sad because actually um as skylar she wasn't doing anything wrong i mean she was being a good wife and mom and and it well i mean later she kind of sucked but i'm just saying well i know. mean it's not like he put her in a you know right she was a great situation doing- she was reacting and responding in the way that, I mean, how could you not? 
Yeah. And when um, she found out about his criminal activities, let's be fair. She was probably every bit as good as it, if not better than he was. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and, 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 and that's why I don't, I never really hated her I, it, because I can't even fathom that. Again, the writing was amazing. And then the acting that coincided with the writing, because the way that they portrayed how hurt you would be, how angry you would be, how mortified and scared and embarrassed yeah. I mean, just all of it because it's like you're scared because you feel like well i'm part of this because you know especially like at first you know she started realizing the money you know once she knew um yeah that you know, you know where the money was coming from well that money had already paid for a lot of things and paid off a lot of things and paid off a lot of things. And so in that point, you know, as a wife and, you know, the mom and everything, it's like, how do you, well, but again, she couldn't really, I mean, she could have turned him in or whatever, but he kind of cornered her too. So yeah, she didn't feel like she had a choice. So it was like, how do you, yeah, that they did that so well. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, she very easily could have turned him into Hank. Oh, easily. And then even whenever she, you know, her and the kids moved in with with Hank, um, you know, it's like even during that, she made up, you know, Hank and yeah. what was it, Marie, um, you know, made purple. up. Yes. Hey. What? She liked purple. I know. Purple is awesome. Actually, I wasn't saying anything negative that's about something it. I was just about... saying that she liked purple. But speaking of colors, that's a whole theme in the entire series. And, and maybe not people don't necessarily know that or understand that. But like, you know, Walter, there was always Walter shades of white, brown and green, you know, mm -hmm. um, she was always purple. There, it, everybody kind of had their specific color, which is it's mm -hmm. subtle. Now with Maria, it wasn't subtle. It was obvious it was purple, but um, but also the way that certain um, scenes were filmed, you know, the lighting and all that stuff. They did it, and it, it was brilliant. It's freaking brilliant. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Now, I know some people watched it. Um, actually, you know what? What was it? HBO, AMC, or show AMC. See, I don't remember. Um, but you know where a, a lot of people, you know, they started watching it and then they watched it, you know, week by week, which, you know, which is how I started watching which is, it, which is how, you know, by the way, younger generation, that's how things used to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, you didn't just binge it all at once. Now you can. And I didn't watch it at first. I came in. You can't it's season three because I had yeah. got the first three seasons um, on was. DVD. And it was Christmas as time. gifts and stuff. And then yeah. you decided to watch it. And then you were like, oh, my God, I fucking love this. And for me, it was the whole thing is like one really long movie because it's filmed so well. It's written so well. The acting is so good. You know what I mean? It's like it. it it creates this one really, 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 really long movie. <laughs> and for me, that's how it was because I just kept going and kept going. Get, I sat in that recliner <laughs> and I just kept watching and kept watching. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, and it was mentally exhausting, to be honest. Yeah, faking which, calling in sick so you could watch it. Whatever. But it was, I mean, it, it does, it was mentally exhausting um, because it, well, the subject is so freaking heavy obviously um and when i had started watching it was it season three yeah because we watched season four and then five was split in two seasons and we watched that yeah yeah but i had watched it anyway it was it hit me you know especially hard because watching you know Walter Wright, you know, cancer treatment and all the sickness, all the, all the stuff, of course, reminded me of my dad and which, you know, is rough, but again, Brian Cranston, the way that he did it, um, I like actors and actresses who will look like shit, you know, they don't, they don't have to like always be pretty or whatever, you know? Right. And so he was okay with being just, he didn't look good. Right. Well, he went and and actually gave himself cancer just for realism (laughs) of the role. Anyway, but, you know, and not many people, you know, depending on age or whatever, not many people are willing to, you know, be in their tidy whities and show... You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think middle-aged bodies and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And and then even when he was super angry and mad and like you know punching on that um, uh, paper towel dispenser, you know, throwing he, pizzas on roofs. Yeah, but I'm saying at certain points where he's got like spittle coming out of his mouth because he's so angry and you know and and he'll cry and just all the stuff that he was willing to look awful. Yeah, because speaking of, <laughs> and I'm sidetracking, side questing now. Uh-huh, of course. Speaking of looking sort of crappy and in the motion and spittle and everything, in red, in the Patrick Swayze God mega hit it, Red Dad. Dawn. Seriously. There's a point where Patrick Swayze is giving this, you know, emotional, heartfelt speech about how their parents would want them to go on and to keep fighting. He's crying. And he's crying. But as he does it, he blows a snot bubble out of his nose, which, of course, is, you know, you can't claim that that was acting. That just sort of happened with the crying and everything, which is amazing. Which is, yeah. And so (laughs) I got that movie on DVD for Christmas one year. And I'm showing, I'm like, look, guys, you got to watch this amazing (laughs) snot bubble that blows. They fucking CGI'd out the snot bubble. (laughs) Which is that's it's not the DVD, cool. and I'm like, what the hell? I don't have a VHS copy to show you. <laughs> I've been mad about that since like 2003. <laughs> anyway, back to Brian. Cranston. Anyway, yeah. He Although he would have had them keep the snot bubble. Yes, and not everybody knows that. But as far as like the um, the pizza on the roof thing, that was a one take thing. I don't know if you knew that. But yeah, and I love how it stayed on there for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't take it down, which is probably the way that would really happen. Yeah. Well, the, the <laughs> pizza was like freaking two foot wide. Um, 
he was supposed to toss it, but the idea was even if it just hit the house, but hit he, you know, it was okay. But right. his, his aim, he was supposed to try to get it up on the roof. That was, but but the way it played out was it just looked like he was just flinging it out of anger. As far yeah. as the writing goes, it was supposed to go up on the roof, and it, they did it in that one shot, and it happened, and he walked away all mad. It was like. <laughs> That yeah. was really cool. <laughs> yeah. There were several things, because I've seen a lot of interviews with the cast and stuff. There were several things that weren't necessarily, you know, scripted, but the way they played out, they kept them, which happens probably more than we know. We know, but but especially when it's like really good actors. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. Yeah, and then just the way that the way that it ended, and just um, although I don't think that you could sneak into an apartment that was under FBI surveillance and get out without being caught, right? That's one of my major. Well, there's uh, obviously things a lot about of things that along the way. I mean, how he got away, you know, and didn't get caught with a lot of different things, and so I mean, there's obviously some. Right. You I'm know, just saying that was the one was... thing on the final episode that I just <clears throat> didn't miss. That was like the one critique I have. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, there's it's uh, you have to ha suspend your, right. you know, belief in the way things have to be or whatever with certain well, shows. If, too. if that's the only complaint someone has, then it, you know, things are going pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know, there there are still people that won't watch How I Met Your Mother because the final episode pissed them off so bad that they've sworn <laughs> it off. So, I my question for you is, and there's a lot of differing opinions on this. Mm -hmm. um, of when is the moment? Do you think, or or is it a moment, or was it a series of moments? where he became Heisenberg. Can do you have like a distinct moment where you feel like that switch happened? I don't know if there was I don't think it was just a all of a sudden it happened. I think it was almost a slow build. Mm -hmm. And then cuz I think that he I think it was more that I think that he enjoyed the rush of making the drugs. Well, because he was using his smarts. Right. He enjoyed he was it. good at it. Right. He was good at it. He got to use his smarts. He created a, a product that was better than everybody else's. So he had this sense of pride in his product because a lot of times when he would get pissed, it was because people were doing yeah. shit with his, his <clears throat> stuff. And that well, almost made him as mad as, Right. Her. That made him almost as mad as anything else, really. Yeah. And, and sometimes maybe even matter. But I don't know if there was like a switch, but I definitely think that doing all of that brought out this part of him that I don't think he knew. The he, It's somebody who maybe spent his whole life with like, I don't like roller coasters. I don't like roller coasters. And then he goes on a roller coaster. He's like, roller coasters are fucking awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and so he had this rush from it and all of this stuff came 
together and it satisfied all of these needs that he didn't know he had psychologically. And so I don't know if there's definitely a a moment where like a switch was turned, but I do feel that maybe it was more of a slow build. Okay. How about you? I, I've always felt that there, I mean, obviously, like we, we talked about that Heisenberg was always there underneath, right. but I feel like, I feel like there was a distinct moment where a switch happened. Okay. What and is that switch? It was when he didn't save Jane. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Cause he had the opportunity. He could have saved her. Yeah, no, you're right. He watched her choke on her vomit. I don't know how I forgot about that. And die in front of him. He cried. You see him. He's holding his face, which Brian Cranston has talked about in that moment. He suddenly realized that she was about the same age as his own daughter. And he saw in that moment, he saw his daughter's face. And that's why he reacted the way he did. And they kept that. He mm-hmm. was actually crying and holding his breath because he all of a sudden saw his own daughter. But anyway, as as Walter White slash Heisenberg, he's holding his mouth and his face and he's crying and you see him just broken in that moment. But yeah. then all of a sudden his eyes kind of change and it wasn't that wasn't done like CGI or anything. His eyes change. He straightens right. up. He puts so, his hand down and then because he decides in that moment what's more important right. is is this is making money, doing you know, because yeah. she was bad for Jesse. Mm-hmm. And so to him in that moment, he made a decision to eliminate something so, that was keeping him from doing what he wanted to do. So he how about it was a slow build. Yes. But then at that moment, the switch happened. Like that's, was well, that's what I'm on. saying. That's right. What well, I'm saying. saying though that it was like that was the one thing that it solidified. It's, it's it. kind of both, right? It, it's that's where it was like boom. Yeah. And because that was a conscious decision. I mean, he made he decided in that moment to yeah. watch a, a girl die. Yeah, and Who then teddy Jesse bears was... landed in your pool. <clears throat> yes, because anyway, it. <laughs> it's true. But which God, that was a whole amazing plot line too of how he was actually part of that, but inadvertently. But I, I just think that's the moment. But I've seen a lot of different things where people think of different times, you know, but. Mm-hmm. To me, that was it, because if you're making a decision to watch, you know, a young person choke on her vomit and die right next to this young man who, you know, you basically bullied into helping. Right. <laughs> you're using him. I mean, I do think he cared for Jesse. I do. And for a while there, it was like, you know, he really saw him kind of as his own, like, son in a way. But ultimately, he was using him. Yeah. He was a tool. And she was interrupting that and, you know, money and all this stuff. So he basically broke 
Jesse. Oh, yeah. What he did to Jesse at the end. I mean, he broke Jesse several times. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he did. But in that moment, I think that was that was the break. I mean, that's when he really broke him. Yeah. Because but and of course, let's talk about one of the best side benefits that came from Breaking Bad, and that is (laughs) the amazing actor Giancarlo Espinito. Yeah who that man i don't see how he has time to do stuff right now because he's in the mandalorian (laughs) he was he may be in book of boba or the next boba fett if there's another one yeah he's probably going to be in ahsoka so that's like three star wars properties that he's going to be in and then he's in like two other tv shows going on at the same time (laughs) but he's a phenomenal actor and we owe his performances that we get to see now to Breaking Bad. True. <laughs> um, so there is that. And I'm not joking. He is a phenomenal actor and he he does excellent in everything that he's in. <laughs> well, it's funny because, I mean, I still, I think I'll forever refer to him as Gus. As Gus Fring. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, if anybody's watched kaleidoscope he was the main character in that so that's on netflix and i recommend watching it in rainbow order stephen king recommends watching it in chronological order but anyway there you go yeah what is stephen (laughs) king now um okay so (laughs) and well and a lot of actors actually from that i mean they were in other stuff you know yeah before you know most of them weren't like new but because of it they you know became known like what's his name todd uh everybody called him you know i'm talking about dang it todd the one guy he looks like um a wish version of (laughs) Oh yeah, Meth Damon. <laughs> yeah, Meth Damon. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I couldn't think. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But he's been on a lot of stuff since then too. Yeah. So yeah, no, he 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 did well too because he was in Fargo, one of the Fargos. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Gus plays Moff Gideon in Mandalorian. He was in Kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. And then he did some Better Call Saul episodes. Mm-hmm. He's in the boys. Yes, I forgot that already, and I just watched that. Um, in the re this is also rather important. Uh, he did the voice of Phantom Blot in the reboot of DuckTales. <laughs> okay. And yeah, just all of the stuff that he's been in is he's he's so good. He was in Westworld and which I mean he had already been doing stuff before this it's just he wasn't known no yeah yeah because his i'm i have him pulled up on imdb right now (laughs) so like oh look at that he (laughs) oh my gosh he has acted with the amazing brendan fraser in monkey bone oh i don't remember that well it was a ways back um right I mean, I remember the movie, yes, but. 
That's what I'm saying. Uh, I was trying to scroll down to sort of see what year his first sort of role that he's credited with was in. Uh, Let's see. His first credited role, according to IMDb, he was on Guiding Light in 19... That's awesome. Uh, He was on Guiding Light from 82 to 83. He was in Taps with Tom Cruise. He was in Trading Places. He was a cellmate of one of the times when when What's-His-Face was in jail. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was also on uh, Sesame Street from 1982 to 1984. That's awesome. He was in Desperately (laughs) Seeking Susan. With Madonna, he was in Miami Vice. Okay, anyway. Oh, one more. One more. He was also in the amazing Maximum Overdrive. Oh, yes. (laughs) That's that's awesome. Hey, it was amazing. Oh, he was also in Malcolm X. Cool. You know, each week... They would have all of them would have like this little weird anticipation of, am I going to be, you know, oft, oft, and there's actually um, a video out there, like on YouTube, where it shows Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul um, reading the the final, the last script of you know the, the last of the season. Mm-hmm. And they're both just like you can see like a weight on the, like they look up at each other and it's just like oh it's, it's okay, just, we made it uh, well Jesse made it well but. I mean we knew that Walter White <laughs> yeah. wasn't going to live they couldn't have had him magically no they really couldn't heal I mean well first of all his cancer had come back right Full that's force. what I'm saying. They couldn't just have um, him. Oh, hey, look, you're. But they no. could have had him be arrested. You know, if you know, he could have gone to jail. You know, that is true. And instead had him of, die in instead in of prison. him lay there, you know, bleeding out, he could have because they came in there, you know, and that I is mean, true. I guess he could have tried to run away at that point, but he had accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. And, you know again you have to suspend your belief in in things like that you know the whole like gatling gun thingy coming out of the (laughs) killing a bunch of you know nazi dudes but that's what i love (laughs) about it it's like because he's so smart that you believe yeah that could happen he could do that because he he already thought it all out he's got it all you know (laughs) he's got it all figured out but um is and it's funny i i had read a thing about and i knew this a long time ago but where all the the blue meth was rock candy right and there was like this surgeons of you know cells of blue rock candy <laughs> after <Right. laughs> after breaking bad I yeah think- and one of the i <laughs> One of the cool sort of crossover things they did is in season one of The Walking Dead, Merle had oh, yeah. um, a bag of meth 
Yes. And it was and blue. And it was blue. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> there was actually a theory that Walter White's meth is what started the zombie apocalypse in The Walking Dead. I mean, sure. <laughs> and I don't believe that, but I just think it's funny that All they're right. like, hey, let's just throw this in there. It's it's weird, though, how much um, I mean, because, again, it's been so many years since I watched it. Well, no, that's not true. I've watched the series like five times, I think. Right. But it's been a little while since the last time I watched it. And um, it's weird how it it's like imprints into your brain and you'll see things that make you think. <laughs> right. Of the show and of different things that happened and stuff like that. Um, my mom had, uh, she's a knickknack person, not like overly, but she likes to decorate. And um, I thought and, you were going to say she likes meth. No. Which isn't um, true. Her mother does not like meth. I mean, I she's never tried it. So I would assume, you know. But anyway, she had like this glass bowl in her bathroom and it had like little pieces of glass in it like you know polished and pretty but they were blue slices of glass sitting in this glass bowl and I remember the first time I saw that over there and I was like wait what you're like oh hey because <laughs> they were pieces wow. so it you know I'm like uh <laughs> it's dumb but it's just that's how your brain it does that. It, it stays with you. And mm -hmm. I mean, I remember physically feeling like exhausted after watching, you know, more than one episode, just back to back to back, because it's like you get so into it and you love the characters and you hate the characters and which anything written well should do that to you. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. And it's probably... I mean, it's a very, it's a very quotable show right. too, because, you know, I am the danger and different things like that, you know, <laughs> you're damn right. <laughs> well, he said kind of damn right, but um, do you have a favorite scene or favorite episode? I know that's a, that's a hard one to just uh, throw yeah, on that, you. Yeah, I, I don't. No, if I have a favorite, I do. I've always particularly enjoyed the scene with the um, older drug dealer dude that couldn't talk and just had his bell. And when he yes. was with Walter White, he's like ringing the ding, bell ding, over, ding, over ding, ding. and they're just like, dude, calm down. <laughs> I've always yeah. I've always appreciated that, that scene or liked that scene. Well, and of course, that goes goes along with how he ended um Gus Fring. Right. And and that moment of clarity on Gus's face was, oh shit, you know. And by yeah. then it was too late. But see, I don't know. My thing is I have the shootout with Hank was also when Hank was unalived was also uh, Felina. That was was that Felina? I think that was Felina because it was like the second to the last one. I think uh, it was at the beginning of that season. I don't think it was the second to the last because they did the 
wasn't there an episode or two where he was in the cabin in Vermont or whatever? That was like two episodes yeah, before see, he I drove don't back. Now. So, yeah. But I would definitely say, I mean, that's not my favorite, <laughs> but as far as the best, um, yeah, out there, you know, when well, I mean. Walter thought he was going to die. Well, he, well, he was going to. I mean, that was the plan. And then Jesse was supposed to die there too. And then it yeah. ended up being Hank and uh, oh wow, I can't think of his partner's name. But and then the shootout and all of that stuff. That was that was so sad. Oh my god, it was so yeah. sad. But I think. I don't know. One of the absolute best ones, though, and I know not everybody would agree with me on this, was when Hank got shot, like, not the dead shot, but whenever he was with the twins. Right. Who came with that big old shiny axe and they were, you know, supposed to kill him and they were really good at what they did. Yeah. And they had the pointy Mexican boots. Yes, they did. And but how he. That kind of, to me, showed Hank for, you know, who he really was, where he was going to do everything and anything he could. He was a hard ass, but it also showed that he was scared. Yeah. Well, you, you know what I mean? Be a hard <clears throat> ass well, and be but, scared. But, you know, I think Hank, I mean, as far as characters go, he was a very insecure dude, but he showed off, you know, this machismo kind of thing you know where mm -hmm. he's like and he was good i mean he was a badass he was cool but ultimately i think he was insecure and kind of scared and that particular episode mm -hmm. was really good yeah yeah but it definitely was all of it was true it's hard yeah. to pick one i like the bathtub one was really really funny yeah and gross. Oh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah definitely was gross <laughs> yeah for sure well um we talked about breaking bad far longer than i was actually planning <laughs> which is fine I, I, will, I don't feel like we really talked about anything in particular <laughs> uh, well i know it's so difficult because i was going to talk obviously about one of my favorite uh tv shows or movies as well um I can keep it kind of quick if you want to segue over into that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about, I mean, I could talk about Breaking Bad for a long time. So, yeah, we should yeah, I know. We could segue. I know. Yeah, but, you know, Hank was definitely shot. And the question asked is, when they shot him, did they use a full metal jacket? Oh, my God. I Really? You and your damn segues. Because that's the movie that I was going to talk about was Full Metal Jacket. Because that are you is proud of yourself? No, my... that actually wasn't a very good uh, one. That was kind of lame. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That wasn't a very good one. I, I had my shot. I took it yeah. and I missed. Ha ha ha! Shot anyway. Right, that one was better than the first one, honestly. Yeah, but <laughs> well, you didn't really plan ahead, so. Yeah, like most Gen Xer males, and some Full Metal Jacket is, right. Well, Full Metal Jacket, I think, just for the um, the male population was just 
more of a thing than I think for most uh, females. Right. I don't. Most. Very rare do you find somebody in our age group that does not love Full Metal Jacket. That's sure. a dude. Yeah. I just happen to very much enjoy it because. Yes. I'm weird. And if you joined the military after seeing that, <laughs> you were so worried going to basic training. So you knew that you were not getting drill sergeant Hartman, right? You knew that wasn't the case. But you also knew that a lot of the other crap was, you know, probably Actually, going to happen. Yeah. The never ending marching, the being yelled at constantly, the, you know, all of that sort of stuff you knew was going to happen. You you knew that you weren't going to have a drill sergeant that was going to make you choke yourself <laughs> like he did with private pile. Um, Poor private pile. <laughs> I know. So you knew that wasn't going to happen, but you also knew that. You didn't know what your. It was going to be, you know, fairly intense and a lot of that. And it helped that Arlie Ermey had been a Marine drill sergeant. Right. So he knew exactly what he was doing. Right. And in fact, he was not, he was actually signed on as the technical advisor for those scenes. Yeah. I had seen that at some point. And he was not supposed to play drill sergeant Hartman is uh, the guy, the actor that was supposed to play drill sergeant Hartman's the dude later on in the movie with the, uh, I want to say he, he played another character later on in the movie. But um, yeah, so Arlie Ermey realized that he needed to play that character and he went on, he somehow convinced him that he needed to do a certain thing. And he went on like mm -hmm. this 15 minute rant <laughs> with the stage crew, the director, the producers, where he went on this rant and he insulted them for like 15 minutes solid and never used the same insult twice. <laughs> and when he was done, they were Beautiful. like, yeah, you're, you're that character. I, and if like, you, hey, uh, are you interested? <laughs> and if you knew anything about Stanley Kubrick, you know that as a director, you read the lines, your script, as it was given to you. You did not improvise. You read it the way mm -hmm. it was given to you. The only exception to that rule is Arlie Ermey. When yeah. he would go and insult and do go. all of that stuff. Because he was the expert, he just sort of let him do what he was going mm -hmm. to do as a drill sergeant. And it was perfect. Is he like had a sort of this is where we wanted to go and yada yada yada. And he went through and he did that. And I mean, you know, to this day, I still occasionally will be <laughs> stuck in traffic and I'll call somebody a goddamn piece of communist amphibian shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, from that. And there are also times where, like, I'll, you know, like, we'll be cleaning the house or something, and I'll be, like, <laughs> thinking to myself, you know, that floor is clean enough that the Virgin Mary herself would <laughs> be mm -hmm. happy to eat off that floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I have Arlene Ermey to thank for that. Yeah, some things just stick with you. Yeah, of course, you know, Matthew Modine played Private Joker. Yeah. <laughs> and Vincent D'Aforio was private wow. pile. It's that's so weird now. 
Yeah. In the best Baldwin actor, Adam Baldwin was in it. No relation <laughs> to the other Baldwin actors. Um, but he is the superior Baldwin actor. And I am not joking. Adam Baldwin is, in fact, the superior Baldwin actor. Yeah. Um, so there is that. And now I will say, uh, as somebody that went through basic training and was in the military, there is absolutely no way in hell that you could sneak out with bullets. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's going to be, you know, you know, but I understand why why that was in there, because, you know, you had to have I I don't think that it would have been believe it would have been even less believable for private pile to stab drill sergeant. Uh, Hartman, you know, with his bayonet or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think that would have been believable at all. But uh, in, but yeah, he he played that role perfectly, and that is actually how, in a lot of, or at least when I went through basic training, mm-hmm. how it would have been handled if you were not picking up on stuff they would have started punishing everyone else right just so they would make you get your shit together i mean isn't that the whole point of basic though is to kind of break you down to conform and then build you up right <clears throat> they want to get rid of the old you to break you down so you conform because you need to be able to in a combat situation, you need to be able mm-hmm. to follow orders, shoot, and do what you need to do without thinking about it. It has mm-hmm. to be second nature, and you have to go through basic training to do that. Right. Although it's softened up a little bit from what I understand. Yeah, they can't yell at you, or they can't call you names, you know. Now, back in the day, a drill a drill sergeant, you know, they, they would mm-hmm. punch you if you were being whatever Mm -hmm. but when i went through that was not the case they could not touch you at all and there were a lot more things uh sort of that they weren't supposed to do they couldn't call you names like stupid fuck or you know you big idiot and (laughs) stuff like that personal about it basically yeah so like but they still found ways to get around it my drill sergeant called everybody stick a stick you know so so there was you know that fun bit and then you know, but a lot of that other stuff, because they definitely would have, if you would have been caught with a jelly donut and that was it, everyone yeah. else would have been doing push-ups. Yeah. While you ate the jelly donut. <laughs> yeah. Um, that part, you know, was pretty accurate. And good God, the that is the one thing, though, that I love is they're doing like all of these marching scenes. And you could definitely tell that Arlie Ermey had he been in the military yeah. and he had done that because that man is like dead on spot perfect. Yeah. And um, if you're listening to this, and I'm not meaning to be rude to you if you were in the Air Force, uh, if you're in the Marines or the Army, you march and you get information. You could be in for 30 years and you will march and get information damn near the entire 30 years of your career. If you're in the Air Force, once you get past tech school, except for a change of command ceremony, unless you are walking to your car at five o'clock when they lower the flag, you never have to get information again. <laughs> yeah. Or some call it the chair force. Right? Yes. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, he played that. He played that role beautifully. He paid, played it perfectly 
Um, he is one of the few people to have been promoted after he got out. Right. <laughs> um, because he act, um, if you know, if you watched a lot of his shows on History Channel and everything like that, he was yeah. gunny sergeant. Well, when yeah. he got out, I don't think he was whatever that rank is. He was not that rank. He was the one below it. But because he had done so much in terms of even though his character was abusive in Full Metal Jacket, he was still considered very positive for the Marine Corps. And he did a lot of charity for Marines. Yeah, I did. He would go to events for Marines because he, you know, this once a Marine, always a Marine. That was definitely true with Arlie Ermey. And he did such an amazing job of always doing stuff like that, that he was literally promoted after he was out of the Marine Corps to the, to the rank of gunny sergeant. Which From is what cool. I understand, he was a really, really just a good guy and yeah, like a genuine, you know, philanthropist type person. Like he truly. Yeah. You, you know, and you know what Arlie Ermey and Bob Ross have in common? That they, they were both drill sergeants. Okay. Yeah. Bob Ross I, was a drill sergeant in the Air Force at one yes. point. That's what I thought you were going to say, but then I didn't want to. Can you imagine Bob Ross being a <laughs> drill sergeant? It's facts. Yeah. But but his his thought process was that he had had enough of that um yeah. yelling and everything and he he just wanted he didn't to want to do it anymore. Speak kindness from here on out and that's what he did. Yep, that's what he did. But he, <laughs> But so you're saying basically the reason the main reason that you like Full Metal Jacket is because of Arlie Army. At this point in my life, yes. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, if Full Metal Jacket's on TV. Yeah. After the drill, after the basic training part, I turn it. I don't even watch it anymore. I've seen <laughs> the whole well, movie. And it's kind of a half and half. There's a. It, yeah, it's, it's a almost two point. movies. Because yeah. it's, it's, he's in basic training and then he's in Vietnam. Right. And while those parts are good, it's, a good and it's an excellent part of the story and it's really good. But there's two um, distinct halves. Yeah, it's just sort of that other part. I don't know. I just seem to enjoy it. But also, another interesting coincidence, coinkadink, where they filmed Vietnam, they did not even film it like in a tropical location, like say the Philippines. Because mm -hmm. like uh, Apocalypse Now took place in Vietnam, but they filmed it in the Philippines. Right. Right. right? There are a lot of jungly places that they could have filmed the Vietnam scenes right to make it look like vietnam they in fact did not do that they filmed it in london what yeah the the power plant that is on the cover of the pink floyd album animals with the flying pig <gasps> that is where they filmed the vietnam scene no at the end way. with the big battle at tet offensive yep <laughs> i never knew that <laughs> yeah what that yeah. doesn't even that make crazy? sense whoa oh i love trivia shit that's whoa that's yeah. weird i would never have known that yeah if you're listening to this and uh you have either a never seen full metal jacket or b seen or listened to pink floyd animals one nah, pink floyd nah. animals go look at the album art there's a flying pig on it that is incredible that that is a whole other story in itself when they were taking the picture because it was a yeah. blow up flying pig. <laughs> yeah, then, there's on, a whole then on thing, day one, yeah. the rope blow broke and it blew like 50 miles and caused a lot of issues. issues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but it shows that power plant that they then mm-hmm. made it look like wherever that city was that this battle took place in full metal jacket and uh, wow. while you're at it listen to animals because it is the probably one of the more underrated pink floyd yes. albums out there yes fantastic album but yeah isn't that cool <laughs> interesting yeah, yeah i never knew that and i've seen that a bunch of times but that just shows you how you can block shit and bring stuff right. in and make it look completely different because that is well you know in no way shape or Jackson? form it came out 19 uh hang on i have it up here 1987 whoa came out it was released on june 26 1987 Wow. It grossed $120 million against a budget of $16 million. So I would say that yeah. it was uh, successful. The It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. I'm going to say it didn't win because it does not mention that. Mm-hmm. And in 2001, the American Film Institute placed the film at number 95 in its poll of titled... 100 years, 100 thrills. Huh. So. <laughs> All right, then. I just know that was one of the movies. Oh, my God. My dad would watch. Like, because at some point he had it on VHS. And yeah, he'd, he'd like he spend would a watch Saturday watching Platoon and Full Metal Jacket. Platoon and Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. And he you know, would watch it well into the night and he's, he's laying there on the floor in the living room, fast asleep, snoring. And there's Vietnam, you know, battle going yeah. on on the TV. With, freaking freak, loud. Frequently but with as a soon as you glass would, of whiskey in his hand as he's laying on the floor. Too. <laughs> no, he'd usually have it just sitting, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I remember him you know being fast asleep but as soon as you walked in there you know because you're like gonna turn it off because he's snoring he would he'd wake up real quick and be like what are you doing (laughs) it's like dad you're asleep no i'm watching this uh okay what's going on (laughs) well he i mean he had watched it so many times he could tell you exactly where it was but yeah what was the last part of the movie you remembered it (laughs) With my dad, it was always, what inning is it, dad? Somewhere <laughs> around the third that you fell asleep, and it's the eighth. You even <laughs> missed the seventh inning stretch. No, I wasn't asleep. I was resting my eyes. Yeah. Right, and you were snoring, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but we're of an age where you had the, you know, the one TV. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you know, we had the big console TV, and I did discover though, that to. if dad fell asleep watching baseball, if you went and turned the volume down and then turned the channel <laughs> and then turned it back up, he would stay asleep. It was the turning of the channel that woke him up. Yeah, I couldn't get because away there was the noise back in those days when you turn the channel on those yeah, TVs. Click, click, Modern click. TVs don't do that. <laughs> so you would turn the channel and it'd be like, you know, some sort of sound or whatever. And that's what would wake him up. But nowadays, TVs don't do that. So, you know, there's that. But yeah, see, my dad was just like hyper aware, which I, yeah. I don't think, I mean, he didn't like sleep super deep. I'm like that too, where I become just aware of somebody in the room or whatever. And that's what he did. And it pissed me off because it's like you're, you're asleep, which is good sleep. 
but I wanted to watch something, <laughs> especially I was a teenager at that point. And it's like, you know, Headbangers Ball is coming on. <laughs> yeah. If, for people who yeah. don't know, that was an MTV show late at night. Okay, holy shit muscles. What? Uh, Anthony Michael Hall almost played Private Joker. <gasps> what? That's Ew. who they were no. negotiating to play Private Joker. Anthony that, Michael I'm glad he didn't. Hall. Because I can't. And now, this one's going to make you sad. Do you know who else was considered for that role? For Joker? Yeah. Who? One Mr. Val Kilmore. Kilmore? Kilmer. Yes, I just said that to make you mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Which, Val Kilmer. I, mean, I could kind of see that, but it's hard to see, to think of somebody else in a role that you're so set right. and used to. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's hard to open. Oh, and Bruce Willis was also offered the role, but had to turn it down because of Moonlighting. I don't. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, maybe, but because I actually Anthony Michael Hall, I could see why they would go with that, because like Matthew Modine, he was, you know, kind of skinny and had that kid off the street look that somebody drafted would have looked like. He looks so young, too, regardless of his age. Yeah. For a long time. So, yeah. And he was a skinny little guy. So he would, I think, just from body wise, he would have. I guess so. He well, and I mean, he was looked a like serious... a dude that was drafted that got had to go there. He would have and had he that was, look. He was a serious actor. I mean, he he could. I mean, I, I can see that. It's just hard to right put somebody else in that spot. That's all. But and Val Kilmer just looked too good. I don't think he would. <laughs> He's too much of a pretty boy at that point to play joker <laughs> private joker yeah. you know what i'm saying it's i don't think that would have really been a, a, an adequate fit either honestly well i mean at that point it would have been difficult too because he had already played Iceman. yeah chris most and, people and don't realize with val kilmer his best work is actually in top secret top secret which is funnier <laughs> than airplane it's from the people that put out yeah. the airplane films and it's top so secret good. is actually funnier than airplane so good and airplane is one of the you know funniest oh, movies funniest. ever made yeah. so you know that top secret is funny it's so good <laughs> it's so good but, yeah. and he actually val kilmer can actually well could not now but could actually sing and dance right. and do all the he was yeah very talented but it would have been difficult because then he would have played two military characters right. and right. i think people would have had a hard time seeing him as private joker after playing Iceman. yeah because Iceman was so incredibly cocky yes and such a damn fine volleyball player <laughs> um, seriously <laughs> you're a dork <laughs> the, I'm just saying. I could I could do a whole podcast on Val Kilmer, but yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, but so I think it would have been a hard time people getting into him in that role yeah. because of the Iceman character. Once you've been once you've played a certain type of character several times, it it is you kind of do get yourself kind of stuck in that. I mean, um, 
You know what I mean? It's where that's what people see you yeah. as. And um, example, Hank from mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. He, he he's really good at kind of playing a dick cop. Right. Type yeah. Dude. Yeah. He definitely I mean, is. He's been a cop type dude in a lot of things. He's good at it. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Top Secret is actually. I don't know if you've ever seen those things, you know, where it's name an obscure line from a movie that you use and find <laughs> funny that no one ever gets. And for me, it does come from Top Secret, where she's telling uh, the love interest is telling him how she hit with, you know, as a teen was stuck on this island. They were making fun of Blue Lagoon. Yes. And she's all in. We built our house out of bamboo and dried snot. <laughs> <laughs> I've always found that funny. It's The movie is fantastic yeah it's so good oh we should watch that again i haven't watched that in so long and did you so ever is watch full metal jacket Maverick? huh did you Maverick? Ever watch Maverick? No, Maverick? i haven't you should anyway I know. there's <laughs> lots of things i should do like in this podcast because we've now gone over an hour <laughs> all right so then that's what i'm gonna do i need to take my nightly medications the yeah. long list of things required to keep me alive. <laughs> that damn getting older shit. Right. Now that's the biggest lie they tell you as a child is that getting old and becoming an adult is worth it. It's not. Enjoy I your told childhood. You that. <laughs> Walter White. Okay. But anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed our ramblings of Oh, it was rambling, all right. Jeez. Breaking bad, full metal jacket. Top secret, which I had not planned on discussing. And somehow <laughs> some, some, I fit Pink Floyd in here as well. <laughs> and a little bit of Top Gun. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the criminally underrated animals. Actually, I think in the last five years, animals have become recognized Sorry. as one of the better Pink Floyd albums. People, I think, are coming to that. But yes, we did. I even was able to bring in the infamous Patrick Swayze snot bubble. So now I'm wondering what you're going to title this one. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I got a lot to think about. <laughs> Breaking secrets. Because you've you've mentioned snot twice, so I'm just curious. Yeah. That is actually surprising that I did. Yes. That, well, there we go. Snots galore. Oh, Breaking no. Breaking snots. Speaking so anyway, I'm, I'm just going to edit this part out, folks. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> with that, I'm going to call it call it a day. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, feel free to pull us up on the social medias. And by social medias, I mean Facebook and Instagram. Those are the only two that I have. Um, if you want to, there is a link in the show notes. If you would like to uh, help support the program, I do have expenses. Uh, for doing this that uh, Heather allows me to have. Yeah, so uh, Patreon. I don't have a Patreon, but if you, you go don't have to... Patreon? No. I, uh, I did, but yeah, that's a whole other story. Just uh, if you go to the show notes, there's a link to go to Anchor where you can uh, help support the channel. And if you do, I appreciate it. Uh, Heather appreciates it. Mm-hmm. Higgins appreciates it. And so does Khaleesi. 
Yes, for their pounds and pounds of dog food every month. That would really only <laughs> pretty much be one. Yeah. Dog with pounds and pounds. <laughs> that eats more in one day than Khaleesi eats in a week. Well, that's true. <laughs> he also makes more slobber. He makes more of everything. That's that funny. is true. That is true. But anyway, now I appreciate everybody tuning in and uh, i'm going to go ahead end it uh, just remember try to live your life in a way that would make bob ross proud thank you for listening to musings of an add mind if you enjoyed this podcast or even if you didn't please hit the subscribe or follow button this podcast is a production of hyper media 